The internet, box, television, uh, cable, satellite, TV, all of it could get wiped out around 2012. So many people are awakening to cosmic consciousness and uh, higher concepts of metaphysics and spirituality. Christianity in particular encourages this idea that you are useless and worthless and that your only point is to, you know, uh, serve and worship, etc. So if you actually buy into that wholeheartedly, when you get around to figuring out that uh, there's no good reason to think that it's true and plenty of reasons to think that it's false, that can be worldview shattering. There's a big difference between disbelieving God claims, uh, not believing that a God exists, and claiming to know, in other words, believing very strongly, and not even believing, but claiming to know and, and being able to say firmly that nothing that can possibly be called a God could possibly exist. You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now here are your hosts, Basil and Gons. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Gons. And I am Basil. And you're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Um, if you caught up with us from Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, or you just visited the website, or if you're going through Revelations Radio Network, we appreciate you being here. Welcome. Uh, we, uh, we wanted to do the show earlier this week and try to stay on the once a week thing, but... Uh, life caught up and so we're a couple days behind but hopefully you guys are tuning in and um checking it out so keep sending the emails we love hearing from you guys we've gotten some so many encouraging emails in different languages and all sorts of stuff so yeah we've um, been exercising our google translator yeah it's been really great um and it's been fun <laughs> but uh yeah keep those coming you can email us at canarycryradio at gmail.com and um, yeah, so we wanted to talk a little bit about a couple things. I guess 2012 prep to start off, and then we're going to get into a little more of um, kind of an apologetic conversation later. But um, Right. Well, okay. Okay. <clears throat> so let me just start this off by saying there's last week I was just laying in bed um, my mind was just racing with all the new information that I was bringing in about, uh, you know, 2012 and, and the Illuminati. I think we had just done the last show, the Svali show. And, um, you know, when you start thinking about this stuff a little bit too much, you start to get in a weird headspace. I'm sure a lot of you have experienced this. But um, so I'm laying there, and I'm just starting to realize that you know, that it's okay. Everything's going to be okay, especially for, you know, you Christians out there. We have a higher hope. And so I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um, living in the now with the knowledge of what's to come in the future. Um, I think it's important that we all should just take a step back from all of our research and uh, and our uh, prepping and things like that and just know that you know we still have a life that we need to live today and you know if there's anything that we need to anything that you've just been aching to do all your life you know you're running out of time to do it so maybe take a vacation and uh you know to kind of relax the mind a little bit off of off of all the um the darkness in the world here 
you know, we still have things to live for. Personally, I have a few things I want to get done before, uh, before 2012. <laughs> for whatever happens there, <clears throat> whether it's going to be uh, an economic thing or an atomic thing or um, just the, you know, the return of Christ, you never know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what, what about you, Gons? Well, I, I would say that, um, you know, I was watching a CS or what is it? Whatever NBC, MSNBC, CS. MSNBC episode where they did this special called um, Apocalypse 2012. And they interviewed this NASA scientist, and he's sitting there going, oh, this is all hogwash. What they did was they had all these theories. They dwindled it down to like two or three different theories of what's going to happen. And one of them was... Uh, you know, Planet X, Nibiru coming through, and he's like, oh, this is just ridiculous. This is just complete nonsense. And then, you know, the poles shifting. It's like, oh, that's just retarded. You know, they, he just <laughs> says everything is, you know. So I, I think there was an interesting point of balance that I saw of like, okay, there's people that are there going, there's absolutely nothing's going to happen. And then it ranges to the other side where they showed these people who were so crazy that, you know, about their, their prep. Uh, one guy was, and I guess he's fairly popular for his research in UFO stuff. Um, I had right. never heard of him before, but this gentleman believed that we live in the matrix. And on December 21st, 2012 at 11, 11 AM, which is interesting because, you know, that time only occurs in certain time zones. It's not like a universal Earth time, 11-11. Oh, yeah. But, but um, he, he believes, I think he lives in like Arizona or something. He believes that 11-11 on December 21st, 2012, the Matrix program that we're in is going to end. So his thing is he's going to go up, up on this cliff and he's going to jump off the cliff. And he believes that a portal is going to open. And when he enters the portal... He is basically going to stop the Matrix program from stopping, um, and he's going to basically save the world. Now, I want to I want to see his uh, sources <laughs> on what he believes. I think he's like trying to raise money for it too, to like be documented and stuff like that, which is also interesting. It's like why uh, would you document? Uh. Um, but if if I had a chance to speak to him, I would say, "Hey, dude." Don't jump. (laughs) I would say, say, hey, uh, you know, if you are going to jump, just make sure there is a portal that opens up, you know, like don't jump before. (laughs) Look before you leave. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Um, You know, so there's people that are doing that kind of stuff, you know, and promoting whatever. Then there's, you know, your people that are doing their prep with um, guns and food. And certainly those things aren't bad in and of of itself, especially with a lot of the uh, economic um, you know, right. fear mongering that's going on just in general. Um, it's, that stuff is real. You know, we never know. I mean, things can turn in a day or two and, uh, we can be seeing ourselves without access to, you know, food and water and those basic essentials. Those things can be either taken away or the, or the price skyrockets and, right. you know, there's riots. And I mean, those things are real. It's very possible, especially, in the the kind of climate, the world climate, and American climate that we live in now, um, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't go too crazy about it because you know especially you know for someone like Basil and I, we don't have like 
the financials to do that, the time of, you know, we can't just like drop stuff. I have a family. I can't just like. Well, well yeah. I mean, the one big part of it is the hysteria of the whole thing. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe that something is happening. Right. And uh, I do, I am aware of the state of the world and uh, I am aware of the coming um, certain catastrophic events that are, are definitely Potential. Uh, possible potential, whatever they may be. Um, and so I think it's it, knowing that it's important to make rational decisions based on the knowledge that, you know, you need to balance what you know and separate it out from the hysteria that they want you to feel. Right. Because there's a certain control that will come out of this fear of 2012. Because if people are fearing 2012 or fearing whatever is going to happen there, which is just so mainstream now, yeah. that's, that's one thing that worries me is that this whole thing is so mainstream. Um, the disasters are so apocalyptic um, just portrayed in uh, movies and you know TV specials and all these sort of things that it worries me because okay so the establishment is embracing this fear that uh, that that it is contagious when um, you start uh, sort of stirring the pot of the public with this sort of thing. And so you have people, obviously, who don't think anything's going to happen. Then you have the people who think the matrix is going to end. And then, you know, it's important to be in a place where you know something is going to happen. And and if you're, you know, if you do your research and you pay attention, you know something is going to happen, whether it be economic collapse, whether it be World War III, whether it be whatever it may be. Um... It's important to know that. But on the other hand, if for my situation, um, probably going out into the woods and building a bunker is not the best choice for me right now. And that's sort of the, the point I'm trying to get across here is if indeed something is going to happen in 2012, I do want to be prepared, but I don't want to lose the little bit of time left that I have now. Right, and, um, and spend it worrying about what might happen or well, may not right. happen. Well, right. If I'm going to end up in an internment camp in 2012 because the pol- complete police state has broken out, I would have wanted to spend my free time from now until then. Um, I keep talking about 2012 like it's something far away. Well, it's <laughs> the, the year middle, 2012 We're in the middle right of t- 2012. Yeah, but you know, we're talking about December December 21st, 21st yeah. Um, so whatever happens, I, I want to know that, you know, I didn't spend this time worrying about it. I mean, biblically, we're not supposed to worry about the future. Let tomorrow worry about itself and, right. and make sure you're still living your life now. Don't be, um, destructive in, there's a lot of potential to be destructive in your own life right now, especially compounded with the worry of the end of the world at the end of the year. I mean, right. whether you believe it's the end of the world or you, you believe it's the, you know, the changing of the times and the spiritual evolution, spiritual evolution or, you know, or a police state or America or a false flag uh, terrorist attack or whatever you think it is. Right. It's important to make sure you're living your life now. 
don't quit your job quite yet unless you hate it. <laughs> if you hate your job, quit your job. Um, but, you know, spend time with your family. Make sure you're doing what's right. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, I think this is somewhat cliche, especially in the Christian community. Uh, but in general, um, you know, stock up on physical needs is, is obviously important. But ultimately, stock up on spiritual, you know, stuff. Uh, right. Spend time in the Bible. Learn your Bible. Because, you know, in times of trouble and persecution, there's only going to be one thing that really helps us through those things spiritually and emotionally. Right. And that's God. You know, no, no amount of like whatever, you know, food guns, or guns or whatever. Give you peace. Right. But my favorite thing is, and this is, uh, uh, I love Western movies and different things like that. And the, the thing that I always loved was, uh, um, shoot, what was the name of the movie? Anyways, in a lot of different movies that, you know, there's always the preacher, whether he's like the, the like classic drunk preacher or like, <laughs> you know, just the, the sort of wimpy preacher who's just sort of, and they just sort of hang around the whole movie. They're just sort of there. Yeah. And then at the at the very last moment in the dire times, it always goes back to this guy and he's like, "Don't worry. God will protect us." And then he he ends up doing it like the 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 preacher is always the one like inspiring the the last hope that right that you know gets everybody through. And that's sort of indicative, I think, of a truth that is, you know, when you know, when, when everything goes down, there's really only one resource that we're going to have that's, uh, that, that actually represents a safety of some kind. Yeah, and we can, in, in, in light of what may go down, we can be that light to other people in, in, within our street, you know, if something happens and people come out of their houses and, you know, you start talking to your neighbors and stuff like that, that, that can be a point of evangelism that is you know i mean who, what better time than when a meteor hits or something you know i mean obviously if it hits you then you know you're in a different place but um i, I find it interesting also that with these uh the new agers a lot of them have this positive spin on 2012 right and they have this idea and and you know some of you guys have looked at it i've looked at it in the past and one of the people that that caught my attention when I first started really looking into this stuff is a guy named David Wilcock, and um, you know, obviously he's got a lot of problems with his theories and stuff like that. They're they're okay, they're interesting, but uh, ultimately, you know, people call him a fraud or whatever. I think he's genuine and he's trying to do something that's you know whatever. But at the same time, I think he's deceived in certain ways. Right. Um. And his big thing was uh. The galaxy is a living being, you know, this whole kind of Gaia mentality to the Earth. And, you know, on December 21st, 2012, this ring of, you know, spiritual consciousness is going to emit itself from the center of the galaxy and it's going to hit Earth. And in an instant, we are go all going to evolve into the next level. And, you know, his theory mm. is that's why, you know, there's no, there's missing links in the evolutionary, you know, fossil record because in the past these rings have hit before and you know creatures were instantly changed or whatever right so if that happens i mean it's like all right 
the new agers were right, you know, but look at us now. We can uh, communicate psychically and fly and whatever. <laughs> so, you know, that's like, that's another thing that we shouldn't worry about too much. But, you know, if I start seeing people flying around and uh, levitating and things like that as we get closer to December 21st, 2012, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm <laughs> I don't know what will happen. <laughs> Let so, me yeah. know if you see that, though. I mean, and, and I mean, but by no means am I trying to say, like, don't prep. Preppers are crazy. Right. Because, I mean, I, we've all done our own. I hope we've all done. I've done my own amount of uh, prepping. And, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of different types of prepping. There's the people who want to bunker down and just sort of try to wait out the storm and just kind of survive. Um, personally, that's not really the... the uh, uh, the the way I'm choosing to do it. Um, if things come that close to the end that people have to be hanging out in bunkers for the rest of their lives just to survive, um, I, I like to think I'll take more of a more of a uh, badass approach, if you uh, <laughs> if you will. So you know, you just got to get you, you got to travel light. You got to have what you need. And uh, if you're going to want to be moving around, you know, make sure to be prepared in, in that sort of sense. But a big thing is to, you know, prep in the way that is right for you. I mean, think about the things that you're really going to, the life that you will want to live in a pre, or I mean, a post um, you know, post-apocalyptic sounds so intense because of all the movies, but, yeah. you know, a post-2012, December 2012 world, um, whatever you may think that is. Um, obviously, it's important to have a, a, a certain amount of food, which uh, is funny because it's actually, technically everybody, it's actually illegal to hoard food. Um, there, it was, it was a bill passed after World War II or during World War II, and it was another bill just uh, reinstated that you, to make it illegal to hoard um, certain materials, things like food, things like guns. Um, so it's just uh, another one of those things that you you. Uh, <laughs> it's just probably a signal that you probably should start <laughs> preparing for something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I have a garden that my wife and I have been trying to grow in the backyard, and the dogs right. the dogs keep uh, ruining it. And we, we've been, we've been, it's like, guys, you know, I think your dogs are agents of, um, that's what I've been thinking, you know, man. The, the anti-hoarding, uh, agency. <laughs> well, and there's that other bill. I mean, I don't want to go on a huge rabbit trail here, but there's another bill that's being passed around us and being supported by the, you know, whatever crazy representatives are supporting it that actually want to make it illegal to grow your own food right and to share your grown food and things like that and i mean it that is actually becoming uncomfortably close to becoming a reality um i don't have it right in front of me because i wasn't planning on talking about it but yeah i mean that's that that alone should show you you know exactly where things are going so like i was saying it's you got to find the right type of prepping that works for you you know, you don't want to spend your whole life savings, like we were saying, if you happen to have life savings. Yeah, I know I don't. For those of you that have life savings. So, anyways, if you want any more ideas or anything, you can definitely Google it. Check it out. 
um, send us an email. I'll help you out. Yeah, give, it, give us ideas too. I mean, there may be yeah. something that we may be totally missing in this entire conversation that, um, you know, you yeah, think if, is important. So if uh, anybody can tell me how to grow vegetables in my backpack, that'd be great. I'm looking <laughs> for a way to do that right now. Cool. That'll be interesting. Yeah. How are you going to get the, uh, well, anyway, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get into that later. Um, yeah, you know, there's not a whole lot more we can say about that because there's so much stuff out there that's, you know, a lot of it I think is fear-mongering, you know, and trying to sell a product. Um, well, that's the thing. It's it's hard to tell what's fear-mongering right, and what's right. not because, it, it, you know, like every good deception, there's, there's an amount of truth in there. Yeah. And so... Um, you don't want to be fooled into thinking that there's no reason to prepare because there more than likely is a reason to prepare. But at the same time, you don't want to buy into this hysteria that will ultimately lead to a control because that's how things are going to come about. Right. Um, the police state will come about for our protection. It won't come about for anything else. They will. It will come under the guise of our protection. And if we're all hysterical about 2012 or whatever happens, we're going to buy into it. Um, so e there are already people buying into it. You can uh, talk to people, and I'm telling them about you know the police state or or whatever, and they're stoked. They <laughs> for some reason the word po the words police state aren't an alarm for them. That's a big red flag for me, but for them, they, they actually feel the, the safety that, that is supposed to be in those words. Um, cause they're so terrified of terrorists and pandemics and, and homeless of, people that are completely and, innocent. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> homeless people. That's, uh, we're referring to uh, Kelly Thomas. Who, Kelly uh, Thomas. Yeah. Go look up Kelly Thomas. The video's out on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I know there's an age restriction because it's a pretty graphic it's video. It's pretty graphic, yeah. And it's just probably one of the the more sad videos that are out on the internet. It's the, the bunch of cops just beating up a homeless guy for what is seems to be no apparent reason. He's a, uh, you know... It's just very sad. And but anyway, the big thing in the court yesterday with that particular case was the fact that, uh, um, basically, they were saying that Kelly Thomas. There's a part of the the the, the footage there that he's screaming, "I can't breathe! I can't breathe!" And the way they defended the police officers was like, "Well, if he really couldn't breathe, then he wouldn't have been able to say he can't breathe." Right. And they're saying, "Oh, it's just an anxiety attack that he was having." But you watch the film, and it's like, no, they were beating the snot out of this guy, and yeah, he's on all... the ground. You got six cops on. I mean, it's just like what? And if you guys don't know who what we're talking about, Kelly Thomas, he was a homeless guy on the street. He was not on alcohol or drugs or anything like that. Um, he was pretty much provoked, kind of by the cops. He was doing a little provoking too, but it wasn't it wasn't violent at all. I wouldn't call it provoking. I'd no, call it I mean he was he was just kind of you know because well, the cops was saying, put your hands on your knees, get on the ground, and he was like, well, which one do you want me to do? And he just knew he was being bullied. That's yeah, totally. He just knew he was gonna he was being bullied. And I've said this before. And these these guys, I mean, I don't know the exact story about these police uh, officers, but uh, in my opinion, a lot of police officers are 
to say the least, unstable. Especially if they come from a military background, they come from with a military mindset. I mean, this is the sort of this is the sort of uh, uh, mentality you see troops in Afghanistan treating the Afghani people or the Iraqi people um, with over there. It's this sort of like, well, you're an enemy. So I'm not going to allow any, I'm not going to treat you like a human being. Um, you're going to listen to me or I'm going to hit you in the head with my flashlight and tase you. I mean, they tase this guy for like, for a, an obscene amount of time. Um, and, and, and it's just, uh, it's just a bizarre thing to watch to see the brutality that these police seemingly unprovoked are, um, well, maybe not unprovoked, but you know, uh, they're looking for a fight almost justified. They're absolutely looking for a fight. And it's not, we're not saying every cop is corrupt and every cop is out there looking for a fight, but it, it, it's definitely one of those things that you, we, we have seen in the past. And, um, I don't think it's, it, it is a problem for the Academy. They know that, you know, I think they realize that as well. Um, but yeah, Kelly Thomas passed away and, uh, you know, they couldn't save his life, but it was from all the beatings of the cops. So yeah. you know that's just something that's and happening his, in the his news dad, right now. He, it just a just a, also a little note is that his dad was a retired Orange County Sheriff's deputy, right? And so he he was uh, hoping his dad was there somewhere to help him out. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of so, sad. He was screaming for his dad um, yeah. in the whole thing. But yeah. anyway, anyway, that can be you know that can just be a real snippet of if if they lock down and you know we do see a police state. Uh, you better fall in line because, well, uh, you know. <laughs> exactly. I guess that was my point was that um, even if the cops aren't looking for a fight, it, it the authority that they carry or seemingly carry with that badge and that uniform right. to them is unquestionable. So it's it's not about your rights anymore. It's not really about your rights. Yeah. And if you've ever come in contact with police, I hope you haven't had this same experience. But I know it's an experience that a lot of people have is that um, your rights don't really matter when you're in contact with a police officer. Yeah. Because even if you do know your rights and you, um, you <clears throat> legally refuse the things you're allowed to refuse, if you legally um, don't let him do the things he wants to do, that just pisses them off even more and they'll just find another reason to come at you. And this, again, this is not me necessarily talking about any individual cop. This is just on a personal level, not talking about them on a personal level. This is me talking about the mentality that sort of is bred when you give those people, those, you know, people power like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm, I, would, I would say both of us would be susceptible to the same kind of, um, I guess, you know, superiority complex. Uh, if we oh. were given the opportunity, you know, if I'm rolling right. around in a police car, there's a certain level of like, you know, I'm the man, I'm the law. Uh, you know, obviously there's a responsibility that comes with that and a risk that they're taking with that. But at right. the same time, it, again, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Right. You, I don't think these guys are born into this sort of crazy right. mentality. Um, it's definitely something that's that's bred, in, you know, through through just what the what the uniform represents, and because uh, you see it time and time again, um, but uh, and then you extend that out into a police state where they're even given more um, power, and it just gets 
it just becomes a disaster for anybody who's uh, anybody who's anybody necessarily. Yeah, well, kind of moved away from the 2012 thing, in sort of. But uh, you know, I guess wrapping up the whole 2012 conversation, or at least just you know the whole apocalyptic conversation. Um, you know, like like Basil said, do the prep that you believe you need to do. Um, I would contend that the spiritual preparation is probably the most important. Um, just to be aware, uh, be aware of what's going on, but also be spiritually stocked up. You know, I, I think, um, you know, when, when you see a lot of the, the persecution that happened just within the Bible of people who believed in God and, and people who, you know, risked their lives for, or lost their physical lives at least, um, for the cause of, you know, declaring and speaking the gospel, you know, we, we have to be prepared for that. I think that's a whole other topic of dying, you know, well, I suppose, dying with a sense of uh, um, a surety or a sense of knowing that this life is not the end all be all. Uh, right. But that's a very difficult thing to face. It's, it's, <laughs> It's one of those things that I, I know I've struggled with, but at times I've really felt like, okay, you know what? I'm my convictions are so strong that I am willing to die for it. If if a cop came to me and we were in a police state or whatever, and I was holding a Bible and they said, "Let go of the Bible or I'll shoot," or you know whatever the situation may, may be, um, I don't know. That's a real tough one. You know what I mean? Because essentially, what you're saying is either bow down to the system and keep this life or renounce your faith. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many people are prepared to actually stick up for what they believe in, even if they call themselves a Christian or, or whatever, you know, whatever faith well, they're in. Well, yeah. And especially there's a lot of evidence to point towards that, that being a possibility Yeah. Um, in the near future. Um, Christians are so demonized now in the, in the, uh, mass the public, media yeah. in the public and things like that. And, you know, all the other, okay, I don't want to be so general, but there are a lot of other groups of people who think that Christians are just these bigoted people who just want to control the world. And that's not to say that. Well, there's, we are. <laughs> <laughs> but so well, is everybody else. So it's not really like, you know, it's the whole plank in the eye thing, you know, it's like... You're not you're not free from wanting or or having those same ideas. It's like it's it's reciprocating the hate with hate. It's like you're a hater, but you're using hate to like call someone a hater. You know. Well, I think that the majority of Christians aren't that. No, I, I, I don't think so either. No, you're right. Yeah, I, was, I think. Not, I mean, I, just, I think there obviously are. Um, how can I put this gently? Extremes. Extreme um, examples of people who might, you know be a little bit more intense than others in ways that other Christians would not agree with. Um, and, and, but I think that the, the average Christian is not one of the, the bigoted mass media, you know, right. Christians that, that they want you to think the average Christian does not, you know, want to, you know, throw all of his sinner friends into a closet with a Bible and, <laughs> and, you know, make them lash themselves. Like, you know, like literally like you see that on TV all the yeah, time. Yeah, well, that's the thing is the media paints and grabs these 
these real extreme cases and then they portray like for example um you know when you watch some of these news shows i, I don't know how many clips i've watched of the uh, Westboro Baptist Church the represent which represents what the church has a hundred members or something and like half of them less are family than that. less than yeah that, yeah right? and they come on TV and they're you know going crazy about all this stuff and it's like if you're if you're a general public watching that you're like whoa Christians are crazy you know Christians are insane but that yeah. you know that that's perception that's not necessarily reality but obviously there's that whole debate of you know perception painting reality or whatever but that that's right. kind of what's going on, and I don't think, um, you know, or, or burning the Quran, you know, that was a big thing a while ago. I don't think Christians, in general, are sitting there going, "We need to burn every," you know. I don't think that's what's going on. So I agree with you there. Right. I, one funny thing um, that I heard a few days ago was uh, the Ku Klux Klan actually was protesting against the West Baptist uh, Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> The other day, <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> so I mean that just takes it to a whole new level. When the Ku Klux Klan is <laughs> is protesting you, I mean there might need to be some uh, inner dialogue within the congregation to, oh, boy. to, you know, to reassess your mission in the world at that point. I'm uh I'm siding with the atheists there and like putting them on an, put, putting them on an island or something and yeah, yeah, yeah I'll just letting that. letting them figure it out or whatever yeah um speaking of atheists um one of the other things that I wanted to talk about today was uh you know I, I engage in a lot of conversations online and uh, in person too but I think online is very interesting because people don't hold back what they're thinking and it's hard to like translate exactly the emotion but because right, well, you, you don't have to save face right 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 to, there's no you don't have to seem reasonable even if you know that you're crazy yeah yeah there's no like true accountability it's just kind of like you know whatever right so you know i i I'd go around these some of these forums and different places on the internet and just have conversation and partly sometimes i'm i'm not necessarily looking to provoke but i'm looking for opportunities to converse with people uh, very legitimately, you know, uh, and test to see, okay, how much do I really know my faith? How much do I really know my stuff? You know, it's kind of a, a gauge for me of like, okay, where am I at with stuff? Because I think if I'm just like reading and doing all this, you know, all this stuff, I know I'm retaining information, but to be able to explain it to someone or converse with someone about it, it gives you a whole different level of understanding. It's like a teacher or if you've ever coached something, um, you tend to learn about that thing much more than just you know sitting there listening about it or doing it. Right. Right. Um, so that's kind of my my philosophy with that. And and I, you know I go to these forums and um, I, I talk. I run into a lot of atheists in, in a couple of these forums. And um, you know I try. I do my best to keep the conversation about the the topic at hand, which. Sometimes I, I'm definitely guilty of like, well, you're not, you know, good lashing out or whatever. But I think I've gotten a lot better with that. And right. most of the time, the the conversation turns from the topic to actually like ad hominem attacks of like, well, yeah. you're an idiot because you're a Christian. And it's like that's not even answering my question, you know? Yeah. Um, and and you know, there's a, there's a few people that I've conversed with over time that they're they're so unwilling to talk about certain things. You know, they'll say. 
uh, there was a gentleman I was talking to about um, moral objective or objective moral values about. And it's like, this guy is saying, no, morals are relative. And, you know, we, we kind of ended the conversation prior prior to this. And then I, I came back and there was another moment of like, hey, you know, we were having this conversation. And so I asked you a question. You never answered it. So I asked the question again, um, which was basically, uh, how do you differentiate between right and wrong? Yeah. Uh, along Something along those lines. And his whole response was like, we've already had this conversation. I can't help your incompetence. And like, <laughs> just going off yeah. on me. And it's like, okay, whatever. But um, uh, the one particular topic I wanted to talk about was this whole idea. And, and I know we're not like, this whole show of Canary Cry Radio isn't necessarily about um, apologetics. But we'll, we'll throw in some pebbles once in a while. Um, the The atheists always talk about how the Christians or the theist for this, for this instance, um, need to provide evidence. And so, you know, I always ask define evidence. Um, but even be, before that, they say, we don't need to provide evidence. And how they do this is they say that they are agnostic atheists. Mm-hmm. And so I, I pick their brain a little bit. I go, go, what do you mean? Well, they say, okay, well, I'm an atheist because I don't have a belief in God, but I'm also agnostic because I don't believe you can know if there's a God or not. Yeah. Now, those two things are contradictory, right? I mean, the way they worded it makes it sound like it's logical, right? but it's not because you're saying you can't know if there's a God or not. But you don't think there is. But you don't think there's a God. You know, in the way they use it semantically is they'll say, I don't think, or I don't know if there, if you can know if there's a God or not, therefore I believe there's no God. Right. And, and I mean, again, it sounds kind of, you know, logical on the surface, but it's not because, you know, there's a very simple way to do this. And I got this from Greg Kokel and people don't like this because, or at least the atheists, when I converse with them, they don't like this because it, you know, kind of shows the flaw, but this is how I got it from Greg Kokel, who is an apologist. He says, okay, make a preposition and say, God exists. That's the preposition. Yes, you're a theist. No, you're an atheist. I don't know. You're an agnostic. Right. Right. That's pretty basic. It, you know, gets rid of all the fluff and all the semantic, you know, exercising that goes on. Right. Right. So at that point, you can't be an it's really clear that you can't be an agnostic and an atheist at the same time because those are two different positions. Well, and there's something that that kind of comes along with agnosticism, and that's just that like they seem a little bit more reasonable, you know, right. to to both uh, Christians and uh, atheists, um, agnostic being right in the middle you know, there's a little bit of common ground for either side there. So to me, I've, I've run into people who call themselves agnostics. Um, and it's just so obvious because t- to call yourself an agnostic sort of defuses a lot of the responsibility. So a legitimate agnostic, um, you know, can, you can at least have a conversation and have a civil conversation about like, oh, well, why don't you know? Oh, well, 
know, I mean, and either side can sort of talk to them about and, and sort of keep it civil at the same time, just because agnostic in general is sort of this, this middle ground. So I feel like a lot of atheists love to tag on that agnostic title. Um, so they don't have to prove or they don't exactly. have to give a reason for why they don't exactly. believe that exists. Because you, you don't have to explain anything. If you truly are agnostic, you're, you're saying, well, I'm not really sure either way. There could, there couldn't. I don't know. Right. But if you're an atheist agnostic, you say, oh, you don't really know. There could, there couldn't, but there's not. <laughs> Which just is childish. Right. And they, they try to, again, they twist the definitions in a certain way to like make it fit their paradigm. And right. when they say, this is what I hear constantly from them. Is they say, and it's not an us and them thing, but this is just you know in from, this some from some atheists from some atheists that I've talked to. Yeah, um, they'll say agnosticism is a knowledge claim, and atheist atheism or theism is a belief claim. So they right. try to like differentiate those things. Right. But here's my point: is that you can't have a belief without having information that leads to knowledge. And ultimately leads to a belief. So you can't you can't like you can't just believe something without having the knowledge about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's a non-belief is if you're an agnostic and you say I have a non-belief, or if you have a non-belief in anything, then you don't right. have the the proper information or the knowledge to make a claim. That's right. what it means, right? Like you know, um, if if the question was like, you know, how many people are in the state of Kansas? How how many people do you believe are in the state of Kansas? Where it's like, oh, I have a non-belief because I don't have enough information to actually say one or the other. Right. So that's that's agnosticism at its you know that's an example of it. You just don't know. We don't have the information, and so I don't know. It's just it really bothers me when they try. I to mean, it's of, it's literally what the word translated out to agnostic. Right. There's no knowledge. Right. Right. Of, right. Yeah. So and they and they have this little chart. That shows um, the chart's funny. The ch- <laughs> we'll we'll post to... the we'll post the chart in the uh, in the show notes, and then we'll try to post a corrected chart because yeah. it just shows it. It just shows this. They're just men- they. I keep saying that this certain person <laughs> is um, just. It's just funny. They just love to try to be agnostic at the same time, right? And so the chart basically shows Gnosticism on one side and, and you know, theism, atheism on another, another side. And basically, there's four different categories. There's the Gnostic theist, which means you believe God exists and you believe that there, you know, there's adequate proof or reasons to know that God exists. And then there's, interestingly, agnostic atheist, or sorry, agnostic theist, which means you believe in God but you don't believe you can know that God exists, which anyway, it's just the same thing. <laughs> um, and then there's the Gnostic atheist that says, I don't believe God exists, but I can say, you know, but I, or did I say agnostic? Yeah. So I don't know. And you know, I don't, at the same time, we don't know if we can know that God exists or not. Right. And then there's the Gnostic atheist who says, uh, I don't believe God exists, but there is a way to know if God exists or not. Right, but and it and it separates it out into four columns. Yeah, and yeah. really, there's only three. Yeah, and it's it's just you know some people 
are, I feel like it, there's a lot of social pressure involved in the whole thing because people, or not even social pressure, just a, a sort of an, uh, a cognitive dissonance when it comes to um, agnosticism. Uh, I mean, there are true agnostics. I do believe that there are true agnostics. Yeah. But people, um, some people, are afraid to be on either side of the line. You know, they, they maybe they call themselves an atheist, but that doesn't quite feel right. You right. know, it doesn't quite feel right. So they're not I'll ready just, to say that God doesn't exist you know, and hold that position. But they, but they want to stay, they, you know, they want to stay on that side of the line, but something doesn't feel right. So they'll just tag agnostic on there. I'm an agnostic atheist, which I mean, I'm, I can, you know, I can give some leeway for people who are just having an inward battle with themselves, which I feel like a lot of these people are. Yeah. I think that that is. So, I mean, don't think that I think they're stupid. I just think that they're, they haven't quite worked things out yet. Um, and, uh, so, I mean, I think the very fact that somebody would tag on agnostic onto their atheism or onto their theism shows that, uh, they're still in the process of, of figuring things out. They don't quite have things figured out. Yeah. And the, I'm sure everybody has heard, where's the evidence? What proof do you have? Um, and if you ever come across somebody that asks you for scientific proof, that God exists, that person's being disingenuous because science doesn't prove things. You know, science will give an explanation um, and and things are falsifiable, but it doesn't actually like prove anything. That's not well. Science science can tell us if something exists, right? But science cannot tell us that something does not exist, right? Science cannot tell us that there is a you know. This is, this is an argument that I got into when I was just a little boy. Uh, you know stars, right? The, yes. the five-pointed stars. Every, you know, as a kid, you th- that's what is in the sky, those five-pointed stars. Right. And I got into an argument with uh, a friend of mine, and he said, there are no five-pointed stars in the sky. You know, stars are circles. And then I remember saying, yeah, the ones that we've seen are circles, but who knows? There might be one with, you know, five points out there. And I mean, obviously, I'm a little kid, so a lot of a lot of this is just my imagination and wanting wanting to think that the stars in Super Mario Brothers are out in the sky somewhere. Right. And so, and so, and and and, I mean, uh, eventually. I got shut down because, yes, science right now just tells us that stars are balls of gas. But in my later years, I'm finding out that that is actually unscientific. It is fundamentally unscientific to say that there's a star out there, there's no star out there with five points because we haven't seen it. Right. And, and Feynman will, will agree with me, all the great scientists will agree with me yeah. that to say that something does not exist because we have not seen it is an unscientific standpoint. And that right there is a, lo- is a point that a lot of um, atheists or a lot of agnostics don't like to think about. Right. And there's 
obviously there's so many different kinds of evidence. Uh, there is your material evidence, and obviously a lot of science depends on a lot of these material in the material realm of nature. And you're never going to prove something that is supposed to be immaterial, like God or spirituality in general, um, by looking at material stuff. I mean, you'll see the effects, but you will not see that very thing. And, right. and um, you know, there's all sorts of arguments with the cosmological, ontological, and teleological arguments for the existence of God. A lot of, a lot of the proof, I believe, is found in logic, which is very interesting because the atheists or, or you know, just in general, the non-believing world tries to say, well, we, we believe in reason, we believe in rationality. and Reason shall prevail. Yeah, exactly. And they don't use reason to justify their <laughs> claims. But um, just a real basic way to explain to someone um, how there might be a God, uh, if you have family or friends that don't, don't you know, believe in God. Um, it's really interesting and it's really basic. So basically all you got to ask them is, do you believe in the laws of logic? You know, the laws of math, the laws of science, the laws of absolute morality. Well, morality, I think people have a tendency to like debate with more, but logic and mathematics, those two things, laws, you know, the laws of logic and mathematics, I don't think anyone will dispute that. Right, like no one says, like no, the laws of logic don't exist. You right. know, no, no one's ever going to say that. Um, so most people agree there. Okay, we've established that the laws of logic and mathematics exist. Now, are they material or immaterial? And this is a point that I got into conversation with a couple days ago. I think it's immaterial. I think the laws of logic and mathematics are immaterial. And how you know how do I say that? Well, if you say it's material, then you would have to show me. The, the physical number three, for example. Right. Like where in the universe is the physical number three? Not the number three written out and represented, not three objects, but the actual number three. It's right. not, it doesn't exist in the material universe. It just doesn't. And so I believe it's immaterial. And I also believe it's universal. I don't think, um, you know, there could be no human beings in the entire universe and the number three will still exist. One plus one will still equal two. You know what I mean? within the universe not outside of it obviously but right and then you also you also have to ask if it's unchanging or if it's changing and again if it's universal if it's immaterial it's probably unchanging right at least within the context of this universe so it's universal it's immaterial it's unchanging and those concepts are consistent with a christian understanding or at least a theistic understanding of God. He's right. universal, he's immaterial, he's unchanging. And without um, without that external mind, an intelligent mind external to the physical and material world, without that there, nothing in the material world makes sense. There is there is no laws of logic. There, there are no laws of physics or mathematics. Those things don't exist, and we don't have the rationality to even comprehend those things. So, right. so, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm probably going off on a little soapbox tangent. No, here, no, but, it's good. But, but it, this is a really basic way to show that, hey, it's not unreasonable to believe in God. In fact, it's probably more reasonable to suggest that there is probably a, an immaterial mind that imposes its, itself onto us into the physical world for us to have the ability to 
you know, think and rationalize and do mathematics. And, you know, the real basic example of this is, okay, with science and the advent of technology and all these things, we have um, uncovered that there is no God, you know, under this rock, there's no God, you know, in the thunder, there's no God. When in the past, people thought that, oh, there's rain coming down, it must be the gods or whatever. Um, And I think, yes, they've debunked, quote unquote, certain superstitions people have had about the material world. uh, But I wouldn't say that it disproves God in any way. Well, right. That's that's something that um, is just a silly argument. Yeah. You know, you hear, well, God doesn't exist because we've proved that thunder comes from rain clouds right. and the electrically charged um, ions in the clouds. Oh, so there's no God. Oh, okay. Well, that was easy. Well, you know what I mean? Like, um, what was it? Oh, I don't know. But I mean, it's just these sort of um, pseudo logical, yeah, uh, sort of uh, thought um, experiments or whatever that sort of dis- <laughs> quote unquote disprove God. Yeah, you know, and and the real fundamental thing here, and I really try to get people to see this because it's really really basic. There is information in the world, right? I mean, there is again the laws of logic, mathematics. You know, and and I I think in the conversation we had with Doug Hamp, we talked about how information is immaterial, right? But, right, right. But nevertheless, there is information. For example, the thundercloud. There is a certain mechanism um, that is bound to certain laws of physics and mathematics uh, that create that thundercloud, right? And right. us as rational beings, we have been able we have been able to determine and explain or describe what's going on, right? That right. means that the information that we use to describe or that we try to comprehend in what's happening in a thundercloud, that information is there before we understood it. Right. That that has to show that there is. And information doesn't just come about. I mean, information usually comes from a mind. So right. that shows that there is an external mind, an external intelligence that has already planned all this out and and set in motion these, you know, beautiful things that we can only try to explain in an equation or, you know, a, a, an example or, or you know, words to describe these things. Um, that to me is a real basic a way to help people see that like, hey, you know what? Maybe there is something beyond what we think we know, you know, what we think we understand about the world. And right. we don't understand anything, you know, really when it comes down to it. We we speculate and a lot of science has been disproven in the past and people say, Oh, that's the oh, beauty of science. Science is just constantly being disproven. Right. Um, um but yeah. but the Bible and the whole concept of theism that doesn't change you can't change like your 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 position on on believing in god or or the bible itself you can't like change what it says you know so that should be another point of contention of like the biblical account of god of who he is he's not just this mind i mean he's a personal being and we can get into all that's a whole other thing and and this argument that i've been explaining this whole time doesn't necessarily defend the christian god necessarily it just defends God, a, th- a theistic point of view, um, but 
again, those things are very important to separate as well, because oftentimes when I'm having this conversation with people, they'll say, and I've had these moments too, where they're like, well, even granted a God, you have to prove that it's a Christian God. Or why would God, you know, they bring up these different topics. Why would God flood the earth? That's evil of God to do that. So it's very important, I think, for people to understand that you have to stay on topic. If they start right. bringing these other things in, if you, if you, if you're clever, you realize that they've actually granted the fact that the God might or a God might exist because right. they start giving you these like, well, if he does exist, even granted that God exists, they bring in these right. different arguments and that presupposes that God does exist, but he, they don't like that God because of so-and-so and so, you know? Right. So, um, you know, but they'll never admit that they believe in God or believe that God exists. Um, I think partly because they don't want to be held accountable for their actions on earth. And, uh, you know, I think that's even true with people that do believe in God, you know, uh, even if we do believe in God, it's like, there's a part of you that's like, oh man, everything I do, everything I think it's, you know, it's, he knows about that. That's kind of like, oh man, I don't know if I want him to exist because, right. because then he knows everything and, you know, not everything is pretty, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're also talking about a God who created us, um, who we are and understands the human plight because he spent time as a human being, um, right. both fully God and fully human. So, I mean, there's a lot more compassion in, <laughs> in this God than I think a lot of people like to recognize. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily, I mean, I think that's a, a main part of it is uh, they don't want to think of a God who is, you know, judgmental. Not the not the great judge, but, you know, judgmental right. because they know um, that just the human condition in general is, is a fallen one. Yeah. And uh, whether they like to use that sort of language or not. Um, but, I mean, that's the great thing about... God as we know him is that he is the most, he is the uh, epitome of compassion. So, right. And tying it back sort of to, you know, what Canary Cry Radio is sort of about, um, the, the idea that a lot of secret societies and just throughout the centuries, uh, mystic ideas, um, uh, ancient religions in general, with gods, lowercase g gods, um, they've all looked at these gods as uh, givers of knowledge, um, givers of you know just helping humanity out. Uh, in a lot of the mythologies, there are gods that came down and gave man, you know, how to ag do agriculture and how to make jewelry and all this stuff. And I find it interesting because. When the creator God is manifested through an idea of Jehovah in the Old Testament, you know, and, and the angel of the Lord and things like that, the, the, these, a lot of these esoteric guys see Jehovah as like the evil God. Like he's, right. not, he's not the creator God. He's just like another lowercase g God and he's the bad guy, you know, but the serpent, he's the good guy, you know, he's the one that right. imparted knowledge and imparted all these things. So, um, that's what's interesting is that 
the these esoterics and these secret society guys and everything else, they believe in a creator. They they believe that there is in like a a grandiose creator god. You know, they right. they are actually theists in that in that way. Right. So there's a point of agreement there. When things start to splinter and and differentiate is when, um, you know, you you go from a theistic to a deistic position of like. You know, yes, God created everything. There is this mastermind God, but you know, it's not Jehovah, it's not Jesus, it's you know, he he does not manifest in this world. Uh, but right. there are higher beings of existence, um, and those are the lowercase g gods, and that's you know, Jehovah, that's Lucifer, that's uh, Satan, wh- whatever you know, all these you know, Krishna, uh, Buddha, all these different things. So, um, so it's very interesting that well, obviously maybe not Buddha because I don't think. Buddhism will count as a theistic religion, but, um, but yeah, I think that's, that's something to keep in mind, uh, that these people that are into those things, um, into the, the dark side, I guess you can call it, uh, they also believe in God, you know? And I think what's scary and, and even more alarming is that they believe in Yeshua or not Yeshua per se, uh, Jehovah, they believe in, well, it's the same being, but in terms of uh, semantics here, they believe yeah. in Jehovah God more so, or Yahweh, if you want to call him that, more so than the Christians do. You know, the Christians kind of have this idea of a God, but they don't necessarily believe. I, I mean, I know they believe it, but they don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying to say, Basil? You want to like summarize I, I know, what I'm trying to say? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I can. I can kind of feel what you're saying here. You, I mean, the 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 way that they look at their spirituality a lot of times, especially with when it comes to, um, you know, Yahweh for the name of the Judeo-Christian right. God, they have an overwhelming sense of truth that He exists, right? Along with all these other deities, right? You know. And um, they don't think he's the greatest, which I think is a is a big point um, to make because it's just easier to to believe that he's he exists, right? Um, knowing that he's not the greatest one, and it, it's interesting because you actually do get this feeling, and I'm I'm trying to find the words to put it into to because these these um, illuminists or these you know these uh, secret society gentlemen. They have more faith. Not, I don't know if faith is the right word. They have more. They they take the spiritual reality more seriously than way the, the more seriously yeah. than a, than the average Christian, which is really interesting. Yeah. Because I mean the the concept of uh, of a wishy washy Christian is is a very common concept. You know. Yeah. Lukewarm. Uh, yeah. Lukewarm. Exactly. <clears throat> and it seems like if these guys. And I'm, I'm sure it has something to do with their material success here. Yeah. Is the fact that they take the spiritual realm incredibly seriously. Yeah. Even more so than I think a lot of Christians leaders do. Yeah. It's, I, it's, it's very interesting. Well, I, I, I think that culturally Christianity has become uh, a business. It's become an institution. Right. It's become, I mean, think about the biggest church in America is run by Joel Olstein, right? In in Texas, I think. I believe. And he wrote that book called Your Best Life Now. I mean, 
you know, the whole concept of Christianity is about an inter- you know eternal life. It's about this afterlife. It's about a spiritual life. It's not about your best life now, as far as like, you know, having all the things you want now, <laughs> you know, that's right. not the point. In fact, that's actually, that sells, though. it sells. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, but that's almost like a counter position to what right. actual Christianity is about. Um, right. But you're right. It sells. People love it. Um, you know, it, it's, well, you, th- you think a lot of these, um, these secret societies, they, some of these people have, I mean, hundreds of years ago, there were men working towards a future that would come hundreds of years later. I mean, a, a normal person would, would, there's no, they're, they don't get to see the end product and they know that, right, right. but they take the spiritual side of it so seriously that they are still willing to do their part to bring about what they think, you know, is their mission. Right. Even when they know not even their great grandchildren will see right. uh, the end that they are working towards. And I, and there's also that part of the deception as well, I believe, is that a lot of these secret societies are promised uh oh, the yeah. members of it are promised to become gods themselves. Right. And that's why you have uh the painting in the in the yeah, the uh, ascension of Washington. Yeah, the the apotheosis of George Washington of him like becoming a god, and there's you know, so they have that belief, and um, they that's their hope. You know, they have that hope in that in in that uh, doing the works on earth here, doing the things that are told of them from the spiritual realm right. of like you know these different things of you know depopulate the world or whatever, form a one world, all these different things are part of what they have to do in order to achieve their God status. And what's interesting is they use the Bible um, quite a bit in, in, in part of their argument, they take it out of context. Uh, I've heard, you know, for example, the, the verse um, I think it's in Matthew. I don't want to quote it exactly. It's like seven or eight uh, where it talks about, um, you know, uh, not all that will say, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of God. Um, and they they take that context and they'll they'll say oh we got to do exactly what we are supposed to do here uh, in order to um, have the privilege to become gods right uh, or yeah that that apotheo- uh, apotheosis of Washington painting by the way if if some of you don't know is um, Google it check it out it's it's a it's it's just an entertaining painting of George Washington. Um, sitting among the clouds, right. <laughs> uh, among all of these, um, you know, great uh, thinkers and Greek like that, right? and Greek gods and Roman gods, and uh, the it's actually painted on the uh, dome of the U.S. Capitol building, and so it just shows how deeply this, um, you know, this it's a religion. Is, uh, it's, it really is a religion. It's, yeah, it's a religion, and it's the religion that our country was actually founded on. Yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, that's a whole was other. the thought that this apotheosis is uh, is the goal for? I mean, George Washington is what this what this painting uh, portrays here. George Washington has become a god. Yeah, yeah very among gods, among gods, into the family yeah. of gods. Right. Uh, yeah, and. and I think it's the same thing ties into a lot of the transhumanist conversations we've been having. Um, 
they want to become gods. (laughs) They want to use technology and science and all this stuff to become gods. And so I just find it incredibly interesting that there is this innate nature in man to aspire for, excuse me, aspire for immortality. It is something that has been with man since the beginning. Uh, For example, uh, I wrote an article called uh, um, uh, A Godlike Brain with a question mark. And it was in response to uh, another article that a gentleman wrote that I found on the Institute of Ethics and, uh, uh, boy, I can't remember the the acronym, but it's IEET.org. And basically, I was responding to this guy's article that talked about why, you know, seven or eight reasons why we need to have a godlike brain and the different things that we can do to have a godlike brain. So anyway, I wrote that article and, you know, just a couple weeks ago, I had a response from the guy who wrote the original article. And at first I was like, oh shoot, (laughs) he found me and, you know, we're going to have this debate or whatever. But he was just very, he was polite. He's like, oh, it was a very interesting response. And, you know, thank you for the critique and and he's like, you know, but I'm an atheist. <clears throat> I'm an atheist, so I don't believe in God. And I believe it is our responsibility to uh, attain immortality and to uh, create better brains, is what he said exactly was the quote. Right. And uh, so, again, even in that atheistic worldview, there is a spiritual element. You know, and I think oftentimes we think, oh, you're an atheist. You're not spiritual. No, no, no. Everybody is spiritual. Right. Uh, every, there is a spiritual component to everybody. Just because you say there's no spiritual reality doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, right. And so it's uh, just a perfect example of, you know, then why why is it that this atheist that doesn't believe in God is trying to do the exact same thing that these deistic, esoteric authors are trying to do as well, you know? so. Right. That uh, that website is the Institute for Emerging Tech, uh, Emerging Ethics for technology. Ethics and Emerging Technologies. It's sort of the uh, transhumanism uh, headquarters on the internet. Yeah, I find of. I find a lot of articles there, and usually I, uh, if I see one that's crazy enough, I'll uh, respond to it in a blog or or through this through the podcast. So right, right, and if anybody's interested, just go check it out. There's a lot of a lot of interesting things happening on there. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, well, I think we've exhausted today. Yeah, I think we've uh, we've covered a, a lot of different bases today. Sorry, <laughs> we're a little bit um, jumping around, but I hope you guys found it um, interesting. And if you have any comments on uh, what you uh, heard today or anything to bring up, just let us know. Send us an email, or I think you can use our contact tab there on the website, or you could tweet us or Facebook us or any any of the above. Um, and I'm I'm posting the video, or uh, I'm making videos now, uh, making our each of these episodes into a YouTube video, and posting it on YouTube on the Face Like the Sun channel, so you guys can go check that out there. I mean, it's the video, uh, the image is just the image of the that Basil right. comes up with per it's episode, just but search uh, Canary Cry Radio. Yeah, yeah, you should be able to find it, and that's just another place to have it out there. You know, it's not you don't have to listen to it there. It's obviously uh, probably better for your bandwidth or or whatever if you're just going from the website or podcast but uh yeah i think that's it and um anything else no i think that's it thanks everybody for coming in and tuning in make sure to check us out on twitter at canary cry radio 
Um, check us out on Facebook. Just search Canary Cry Radio. Thanks for visiting the website. And uh, yeah, make sure to check out YouTube and share those videos and uh, spread the word. Cool. All right, guys. Take care. Bye-bye.